Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> Get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Imagine that you drive an insanely fast McLaren Formula One race car for a living on the cusp of winning your third world driver's championship. But there's trouble. Your arch rival, who's one of the most aggressive racers of all time, is on your tail, and you just know that he's about to make a move. With a mere five laps left in the race, you approach a tight corner, and sure enough, your fearless competitor puts the hammer down, he cuts to the inside until he's nearly parallel with your roaring McLaren. You have a choice. Do you allow him to pass, aggressively cut him off, or crash into him and win the championship? If you're Alain Prost battling Ayrton Senna, the answer to this question is a little complicated. Prost was a fiery Frenchman and an elite driver known for dominating the track like no driver before him. But along with his unrivaled success, the professor had an extremely combustible personality and made more than one enemy on his path to glory. But how did this son of a small town handyman become an F1 driver in the first place? What led to Prost's legendary personal feud with Ayrton Senna? And how does Allen's legacy stand up against recent greats like Schumacher and Hamilton? Break out the champagne glasses and the steak tatar, because today on Past Gas, we're learning about the fastest Frenchman in F1 history, Alain Prost. Past Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about ports. Alain Prost. Alain Prost. Whoa. Alain Prost, what? James, Whoa. your hair is different. James just what? did a, a hair reveal. I didn't mean to. Sorry, this is a this is an audio format, but James's hair is 
blonde now. And he didn't tell us. He didn't warn us. Oh, I thought you could see it peeking out. No. I didn't mean to do a reveal. My head got hot, so okay. I took my beanie off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt the Alan Prost. Prost. Yeah, I got say blonde Alan here again, Prost. guys. If you don't know, we have a YouTube channel, Donut Media, and uh, I just felt like being a YouTuber again. Yeah, that's full good. YouTube. I was feeling a little mousy, mm-hmm. feeling like I was disappearing into the background a little bit. Hmm. Just wanted to be bright. Pop. Pop. I wanted to pop a little bit. Yeah. Pop. Yes. Good on you. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Welcome to Passcast, everybody. My name is Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my co-hosts. We got James Pumphrey with the blonde hair. Get a load of this pod, baby. <laughs> and... Joe Weber. What's up, Wing Wing Nation? It's slippery out there. Watch your back. Yeah, a lot of rain here in Los Angeles for the past like two weeks now. It's been a steady kind of rainy deal. I love it. We needed this. Yeah. Oh, we needed this. We needed this. We needed this. We needed this. You know what? We needed this. We needed this. We really needed this. It's so green out there. Driving, that's my therapy. Uh, And this week, (laughs) we're talking about- You should go to regular therapy. Yeah, I probably should. You cry randomly. You could do therapy in (laughs) your car. Not at work. (laughs) You can call your therapist from your car. I I could do a lot of things, I think, to help myself out. Uh, Just as Alan Prost could have done a lot of things to maybe cement his legacy a little better he's a guy best known as Ayrton Senna's rival which is kind of like tough position to be in yeah. your legacy is just being someone else's I wanted to be unbiased kinda. going into this mm-hmm. because I've always taken Ayrton's side mm-hmm. and but I realized that I've only heard Ayrton's side I've never I would say most media and most everything kind of yeah. focuses on Ayrton's well, Ayrton side. Senna is a romantic Brazilian man mm-hmm. yeah super handsome Drove that NSX in loafers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool, 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 cool guy. And Alain Prost's legacy is kind of just being a wiener and a yeah, tattletale. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He's a tattletale. And so I, I ended up watching a, do- a little short documentary yesterday on him. He's like, I feel like Ayrton Senna was cool because he had other things going on. You know, like right. he, was, he was like in the... Zeitgeist. He's mm. a pop icon. Yeah. It's in, yeah. All, all Elaine could talk about was just the race. Like, he's in, he has encyclopedic knowledge of his races that he's been in, uh-huh. but that's all he talks about. Like, there's no personality. Yeah, he's the exact opposite of Senate. It's like uh, Mickey Lauda and James Hunt. Mm-hmm. If James Hunt were Ayrton Senna, yeah. i.e., really good at race car driving. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton famously photographed, like, dates models, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Does a lot of, like, Does, philanthropic yeah. work. Gets, cool guy goes on trips. Wears, yeah. wears Big cool shirts. clothes. Yeah. Gets photographed at like in beautiful areas. Yeah. Max for stopping. For stopping. Also very good. <laughs> streams racing. He streams. He has a a a sim set up in the in the corner of a big room with nothing else in it. Yep. Uh, so my advice to Max, uh, let's. Do go on, to see together. <laughs> yeah. And go on uh, uh, jet skis. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, like, if Max Verstappen wants to avoid the Prost uh, legacy uh, reputation of being kind of a wiener, hit me up. <laughs> Let's do ecstasy together. <laughs> Let's take lots of pics. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. That's called PR, baby. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I Don't think- do ecstasy. I feel bad for anyone who is sponsored by Red Bull, whether it's skateboarding or racing, because they make you wear the dumb hats all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. wear a dumb flat brim hat yeah, with the Red Bull logo. And it's like, you can't be a fashion icon and wear a trucker hat mm-hmm. with Red Bull on mm. it, you know? Interesting. Bet. 
Anyway, proud sponsor of uh, a new sponsor this year of Pass Gas, Red Bull Energy Drink. <laughs> it gives uh, you wings. It gives you wings. You guys know the drill. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get into our story this week. Let's talk a little Alan Prost and maybe a little bit of Ayrton Senna, too. I'm hoping to have my opinion of Prost challenged. Yes. I think, like I said, he does have a reputation for being kind of a tattletale and a wiener. Yeah. But I bet that that's not the whole Prost. Let's look at the whole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we get into this episode, we covered Eric and Senna in a four-part series in the early days of Pass Gas. Go check it out. Uh, we've also briefly talked about Senna versus Prost in the third part of our Bruce McLaren episode. But we realized we never really did a deep dive into the life and career of Alan Prost himself. So while we'll get into the feud, let's find out more about who Alan Prost is. Yeah, let's get the full Prost. On yeah. February 24th, 1955, near the small town of saint Chamond. Hey, he's in 10 days younger than my dad. Wow. Holy crap. Dang. Man, the peeling back the onion already. <laughs> saint Chamond in central France, Alain Prost was born to his parents, Andre and Marie Rose. Alan was... My mom's name is Rose. <laughs> Holy oh my crap. God, dude. Are you kidding me, dude? Synchronicity. my dad the prof? <laughs> this is <laughs> getting weird. <laughs> Alan was athletically gifted and ferociously competitive from an early age and showed significant promise in multiple sports. He even considered pursuing a career playing professional football. But a trip to the south of France when he was 14 years old changed his life forever. Speaking of significant promises... Mm-hmm. I significantly promise to have y'all's back for the rest of my life. Thanks, dude. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Likewise. Tight. I got your six. Stay frosty, dude. All right. While on vacation with his parents and younger brother Daniel, <laughs> you don't have like an Uncle Daniel? Good. Okay. I uh, hate Daniels. Aline <laughs> <laughs> got the opportunity to drive a go kart for the first time. And you know what? He was immediately addicted. And upon returning home, worked overtime at his father's kitchen repair company to save enough money for his own cart. Aline first competed in regional cart circuit in Lorette at the age of 15 and raced throughout his high school years. Despite his obsession, Aline enrolled in university in 1973, but dropped out within a year to pursue his racing dream. Dude, I dropped out of college within a year to pursue my comedy dream. <laughs> Wow. I wasn't going to say it, but my mom worked for a kitchen repair company no. <laughs> Dude. where she repaired Oster blenders. Are you serious? Osterizers, yeah. Supporting himself as a cart mechanic and distributor, Alan was able to make a living while also learning about the intricacies of racing engines. This added knowledge only made him a better driver. And in the 1975 season, he won the French Senior Karting Championship and earned a seat in the national circuit, Formula Renault. That's cool. Dude, kind of self-made yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Me too. Dig that. Dig that. Yeah. His son of a kitchen repairman. That's cool. There's No one was ever doubting his drive. Like, he's a very driven guy. He, would you say that he was driving to survive? Yes. I'd probably say that. <laughs> yeah. From 1977 to 1979, Prost put the entire racing world on notice. During these formative years, Alan captured the attention of multiple... Formula One teams who are chomping at the bit to sign the Frenchman after he won the 1979 European F3 Championship behind the wheel of a Martini Renault Mark 27. And that's when McLaren came calling. Uh, hello? <laughs> Is Alan there? 
Uh, we? Hi, my name is Bob McLaren. <laughs> Bruce McLaren. I thought yeah, you were I'm, British. I'm, I'm Bruce's cousin. Oh, okay. He has me call people on his behalf. Oh, okay. Yeah, hold on. Let me put him through. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello, is this Bruce? Yeah. Would you like to drive my car for me? Uh, you are Australian. Okay. <laughs> After just three test laps, McLaren boss Teddy Mayer signed 24-year-old Alan Prost to an F1 racing contract. Mayer even offered him a chance to drive in the final Grand Prix of 1979, but Alan turned him down. He felt that he needed more time to prepare for his debut. This calculated approach to racing was such a staple of Prost's persona that he quickly became known as the Professor. Nice. The documentary that his engineers loved him because they never had to rebuild his car. He never spun out, never hit the wall. Wow. That's cool. Got to get your uh, your mechanics on your side for sure. Alain's Formula One debut came at the 1980 Argentine Grand Prix, the first race of the season. Alongside British teammate John Watson, Alain finished in sixth place and two weeks later claimed fifth at the season's second race in Brazil. But during practice at the next Grand Prix in South Africa, he crashed when his suspension snapped. A broken wrist kept him out of the next two races. Oh, oh weird. Sounds like they had to repair that, Joe. <laughs> oh, because his suspension snapped. That's the engineer's fault. I yeah. thought this show is called Pass Gas, not Pass Pull It Out of Your Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Another crash at practice before the final round at Watkins Glen pushed Another the emotional crash, cross. But they had to fix that. Over the We're edge. talking about years here. <laughs> Multiple years. <laughs> Forced to skip race day due to yet another suspension failure. Oh, wow. Oh. Sounds like another repair, Joe. <laughs> you know, I heard that his toilet loved him because he never pooped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan was vocal about his lack of confidence in McLaren management and criticized the team's engineers. Though There's no way he's eating sausage and cheese all day, <laughs> every day. He's French. Though it may be surprising that a rookie driver would have that much confidence, it makes sense that he wouldn't trust his team. Allen's first season was plagued by component failures of mm. his car, which led to accidents, ah. including the weekend before in Montreal. At a time when Formula One drivers truly risked everything to race, Allen had a sense to notice when things weren't working for him. It turns out this breakup was mutual, as McLaren wasn't fond of keeping a driver around who would badmouth the team. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't talk don't trash do about that. your team. Yeah. With both parties disgusted with one another, Alan broke his two-year contract with McLaren and immediately took a call from Renault. Okay, like I said at the top of this episode, I hope that my opinion of him turns around, but sounds like he's a baby so far. That's what I, that's the journey I went through last night. Yeah, you don't talk trash about your team. Yeah. Don't talk trash about the team, but also if your car keeps breaking... Talk to your team about team, it. Talk to the team about talk it. Talk to your team about it. You can you can have problems with the guys. Don't talk to reporters about that. Don't talk to reporters about that. Unless he was already like, I got to get out of here. This is my my way to get off the team is to talk trash. No, that's no. not. Take the high road. I know, but look, Alan, like you said, Alan has a a reputation of being a bit of a baby and a bit of a tattletale. I'm going to tell you right now, that's like every driver. Is like that. They're I all know, like but some, that. Some are just better at like keeping their composition. That's true. And keeping the face yeah, alive. Yeah. You gotta keep but that face all, alive. They're all boy. like this. Like even you know? even Hamilton has oh, for some sure. moments in his early career. His early where he career, was like, yeah. He, he slipped he, he's and, figured and it out. Came off as a little. Yeah. Lewis has figured it out. Lewis has figured it out. He had a bad season this year. He didn't talk crap. No, no he didn't say anything. 
He said a, a little. A little bit. He said a little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was always optimistic. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't make it into the podcast script. Right. He didn't talk enough trash to make it into the first right. chapter of the podcast script. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Lewis, if you're listening, I'd Let's love do it to hang out. <laughs> Alon Prost's relationship with Renault began as a storybook romance. He earned his first career Formula One victory in his home country at the 1981 French Whoa. Grand Prix at Dijon. Dijon. Wow. Uh, best known for mustard. <laughs> For Alain, the win was a turning point not only for his reputation as a driver, but more importantly, his personal mindset. Before you thought you could do it, <laughs> now you know you can. <laughs> uh, Alain's eventual fifth-place finish in the World Championship showed the racing world that this second-year driver was a force to be reckoned with. I've been putting Dijon in all my emulsions. Mm-hmm. It just really ties everything <laughs> together. It gives you a little <laughs> pop of white wine. Alain began the 1982 season by winning the South African Grand Prix. He then won the second Grand Prix in Brazil. After Brabham's Nelson Piquet and Williams' Kiki Rosberg were disqualified for sketchy ballast water tanks. <laughs> Tale as old as time. <laughs> Despite not winning the next several races, Alain still had the overall points lead going into the 11th race of the season in France, where he was from. <laughs> and just like home for all three of us, drama was awaiting. At Dijon, Alain was in second behind Renault teammate Rene Arnoux as the race entered the final laps. Typically, when a teammate in second place has the points advantage, the leader will allow them to pass. However, Arnoux held Prost back, which led Alain finishing third at the season's end. Alain was understandably irritated. That's a D-hole move. Yeah. You know? I would have smacked him in the face. (laughs) I would have got to the pit, got out of my car, taken my helmet off, waited for him to take his helmet off, and open hand smacked him in the face. With a glove or no glove? Glove off. But I'd take it off in front of him. We slap him with a glove? No, I'd go like this. Oh, one finger at a time. No, I'd take him off like this, really staring at him, pull off my glove, give it a second. So he's like, what? I'd, I'd wait for him to say, what? Yeah. Smack in the face. Oh, dude. That's what. You should have let me buy. I just got chills. Yeah, could have been a four-time champion. So Alon was understandably irritated, (laughs) and he directed his rage at both Arnaud and the Renault bosses. But ironically, Alon was villainized in the press and labeled as selfish, while the upstart Arnaud was praised by both French fans and journalists alike. That's interesting, because, like, earlier this season, Max had already won the championship Mm -hmm. and didn't let... Sergio Perez by because yeah. mm-hmm. Perez needed the points. And guess what? That came back and uh, bit bit them in the butt, didn't it? Yeah, it really hurt Max's rep. Yeah. It did. Everyone was like, hey, Max, you're a jerk. Yeah, remember all the times Checo saved your butt, Max? Yeah, Max. Does that count for nothing? For nothing! <laughs> yeah. This is something we talk about all the time on my other podcast, the Donut Racing Show. Had he let Perez by, uh, he would have been second place in the championship. Would have been a one-two, but instead, good old Chuck LeClerc. Chuck LeCuck. Uh he is he he got second place because of that whole deal. So Dude, we are such a better team than any of these guys. We should yeah. start an F one team. Dude, I fu- I freaking throw you guys so many punchlines. Like when I'm we going to each the other bath- all the time. When we're like racing each other to the bathroom, I'm like, I don't I don't need to pee that bad and I let you pass it. And yeah, you go. and then I'm like, actually man, I'm gonna take a pretty rough poop. 
<laughs> it's gonna be rough, dude. Yeah, it's gonna suck. <laughs> so I just had a, a bowl of sag paneer. <laughs> I'm on the all all paneer diet. All I eat is pan- all I eat is paneer and halloumi, <laughs> just grillable cheeses. <laughs> With a new chip on his shoulder, Alon returned in 1983 with a vengeance. He finished nine of the first 11 races in the points, but also became keenly aware that Brabham's improved BMW engine and their driver, Nelson Piquet, were a serious threat to his title. Alon tried to convince Renault engineers to make changes to the car, but they didn't listen. Mm-mm. They were like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We got to go eat snails around. <laughs> the last five races proved Alon to be a doomsday prophet as his points lead vanished and Piquet took the crown. Alon was angry again and wasn't shy about letting Renault know. You got to let Renault know. The resulting meltdown culminated not only in Renault firing Alon, but the driver also alleged that bitter Renault factory workers set two of his personal oh cars on fire. Huh. I uh, had two cars burned in front of me <laughs> and uh, messages on my answering machine, which said things like, uh, we are going to kill you. <laughs> Jesus. In my opinion, it really went over the top. <laughs> This is part of that documentary last night. And like, if you get fired from two teams, you're a jerk. You're the problem. Yeah. yeah. If not, I don't, people know, say I don't agree asshole. with like the death threats or anything. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but it is sick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't agree with it, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a good prank. Good prank. Yeah. Disgusted and betrayed, Alain moved from France to Switzerland and began looking for a new seat in Formula One, this, hopefully surrounded by a car. This was a weird, everything sounds like he's like, every interview sounds like he's defending himself, which is not a good sign, but he was like protesting too much, you know, like he was like, yeah, the move to Switzerland was not because of taxes. And it's like, no one said that until you brought it up. (laughs) Just before Alan Prost left McLaren in 1981, new team director Ron Dennis and lead engineer John Barnard presented him with their vision for McLaren's future, which included a never-before-seen carbon fiber composite chassis on upcoming cars. But Alan, as we've learned, was too jaded to care and skipped town. Fast forward three years, and Barnard's chassis was a breakthrough achievement. McLaren needed a teammate for Nicky Lauda, so Ron Dennis asked Allen if he'd be interested in giving it another go. Allen's reputation at this point wasn't exactly glimmering after his fallout with Renault, and he didn't have much room to negotiate. So, for the bargain price of $500,000, roughly half of what other elite drivers were making at the time, Allen was back with McLaren for the 1984 season. Along with John Barnard's carbon fiber composite chassis, McLaren also had a new engine, the Porsche-constructed Tag Turbo V6. The 84 season brought with it a new rule banning mid-race refueling, which worked out marvelously for McLaren since the new Tag, of which they had exclusive rights, was one of the most efficient engines on the circuit. Allen and Lada made the most of their fantastic new car and dominated the season from start to finish. Heading into the final race of the year in Portugal, Lauda had won five races and Allen six. But if Nicky finished second place or higher, he'd beat Allen by half a point to win the championship. 
As fate would have it, that's exactly how it turned out. Lauda finished the race second behind Alan and won the championship by the closest points margin in F1 history. With the Constructors' title going to McLaren, the team was the undisputed king of the 1984 season. But as the confetti fell, Alan was emotionally rattled by falling just short of the title. The gracious Lauda, whom Alan idolized as a young driver, comforted his teammate, saying, Forget it. Next year, the championship is yours. <laughs> Lauda was right. In 1985, Prost embraced a less aggressive approach to his driving, and it paid off tremendously. But even with five victories and six additional podium finishes, boss man Ron Dennis wasn't Ron. a fan. Ron Dennis, Ronnie D. D wasn't a fan of Alan's patient style. Dennis criticized Prost multiple times during the year, especially for a third-place finish at the seemingly winnable Belgian Grand Prix. Quote, I know I, especially for a third-place finish at the seemingly winnable <laughs> Belgian Grand Prix, I know I could have won. But I've lost the championship at the last moment so many times. I'm not uh, taking any chances. Consi Are you going to finish that? <laughs> <laughs> Consistency was clearly the name of the game, and Prost wasn't going to budge. He took fourth place at the next round at Brands Hatch, and with two full races got to run, became the only Frenchman to this day to win a Formula One championship. Really? That's very surprising. That is very surprising. There's tons of them. There's a lot of French guys running around out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Just running around. Just <laughs> doing, the, doing the thing. Alan carried his professional brilliance of 1985 into the next season, but found himself in a far more competitive battle for the championship. <laughs> Heading into the final race of the year in Australia, Alan, Nelson Piquet, and Nigel Mansell were all within striking distance of the crown. Imagine that. Three drivers going for the championship in the final race. That'd, That'd be, be cool. amazing. Three Hall of Famers. Yeah. In arguably the most exciting Grand Prix of the decade, Alain was able to outlast the superior Williams machines and win the 86 title. This made him the first driver since Jack Brabham, a quarter century before, to claim back-to-back -back championships. Wow. In 1987, the Honda engines at Williams and Lotus completely overtook McLaren's tag engine, but not before Alain won two of the first three Grand Prix of the season. He made more history when he won the 12th round at Portugal, with his 28th first-place finish, Alan eclipsed Jackie Stewart's record of 27 to become the winningest driver in F1 history. Wow. Yeah, that is wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. Dude. Dude, I bet he was so stoked. Yeah. I bet that night he was, like, so happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would be. That, yeah. Dude. Or maybe he's one of those guys where it's, like, it, it, it's this, ob this thing you obviously should be proud of, but, like... He's too, just waiting for the other foot to drop. Yeah, he's like, I try not to be like He's that. like too in the zone to like enjoy what's going on. Yeah, maybe. I'm usually not great at like being proud of myself. I think all of us are kind of like that, and that's why we have success. But um, when we won a streamy, I was stoked for the night. That was Your fun. speech was really funny. Yeah, I wish I would have cussed less. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we were going to win. Yeah. But you beat Kevin Hart. Yeah, we beat Kevin Hart, met Logan Paul. It's a great night. So, yeah, uh, Alan is now the winningest driver in F1 history. Maybe he's happy. Probably not. McLaren. You know what he would say? Yeah. This is one word I remember from French class. He would say, boof. Boof. Which is an expression of indifference. Huh. He'd say, merde. <laughs> <laughs> McLaren was obviously thrilled for Alan, but there were two other reasons for the team to be optimistic for the next season. A contract with Honda meant a ferocious new engine, 
and an emerging young driver from Lotus was available to become Alan's new teammate. The driver's name was Ayrton Senna, and unbeknownst to all involved, the stage was set for one of the most dramatic rivalries in sports history. Bum, bum, bum! Enter Senna. We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> Get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Alain Prost first met Ayrton Senna in 1984 when they participated in a friendly race for Mercedes at the Nürburgring. According to Alain, the two hit it off, but when it came time to race, the Brazilian was a different man. I took Ayrton from the airport, and we got along well. Then, in the race, I took the lead, and after half a lap, he pushed me off. <laughs> Wait, they made Elaine go pick him up from the airport? <laughs> that was a different time. And he probably wanted to drive. Well, yeah. Like, well, yeah, those driving. guys love driving. But, yeah, it's like... Uh, it's, it's like before Ubers and stuff. It's like a bonding thing. Like, why don't you go pick him up from the airport? Yeah. And he's like, um, you guys will get to know each other. I was going to put a Dijon on my snails. <laughs> 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 
when he came out uh, and he got in the car, I put him in because you know the passion you see. <laughs> he did not think it was funny. <laughs> the Brazilians do not like flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, Alon knew that he would have his hands full with Senna. I'd like to have my hands full with Senna. <laughs> oh, uh, no, all right. But that didn't stop him from advising McLaren to sign the Brazilian four years later. I told them it had to be Ayrton. If you want to make a strong team, you take the best. You take the youngest, the one for the future. Take a Senna. And so it was. Two maniacally competitive and opinionated drivers, both in their absolute prime, were Formula One teammates. What could possibly go wrong? Well, nothing at first. Alon and Senna dominated the 1988 season, alternating first-place finishes as if they were the only two on the track. However, cracks began to emerge at the 13th GP in Portugal. We didn't have any problems until Estoril, reflects Alan in a poignant 2014 Auto Week editorial. As I passed Ayrton, he swerved at me, putting me maybe a foot from the pit wall. I won the race, but I was shaken by what he had done, and I told him what I thought. Despite the win at Estoril, Alain had to settle for second place to Senna in the world championship. Senna's flamboyant driving style quickly made him a fan favorite, while Alain was framed as his curmudgeon teammate. That impression was reinforced by the 2010 documentary film Senna. The documentary is stunning, but sources outside the production say that Alon was unfairly depicted. Safan Johansson, Prost's teammate at McLaren before Senna arrived, said, I worked with both Senna and Prost. As far as I was concerned, the, the documentary was not a uh, true reflection of Alon. The guy I knew uh, for whom I had uh, so much respect. I think... Uh I think it was produced by like his family, or at least Senna's like, family. His family, everything yeah. is. They worked like extensively with Senna's family. The Senna Foundation, yeah. Senna's family is very protective of his image. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's ever asked for an Ayrton Senna up to speed, we had a script. Mm -hmm. I think we may have even recorded it, but we couldn't get any footage of Senna. Yeah, yeah, we shot it, but we yeah. couldn't get any footage cleared because his family has such a chokehold on it, which is cool. But that's that's probably why it was like so biased as far as yeah. I mean, protect the person you love, and at least they're not selling like Senna shirts and Hot Topic. Yeah, <laughs> whoever's in charge of Keith yeah. Herring's estate's really making a ton of money. Oh God! Yeah. McLaren's domination continued in 1989. Shouts to Taylor Swift, but Alon accused Senna of reckless driving multiple times. It was in Emula in 1989 that the relationship between us disintegrated. <laughs> We qualified 1-2, and Ayrton suggested we shouldn't fight at the first corner. He led away, with me second. But then, the race was stopped when Gerard Berger <laughs> has a bigger crash. On the restart, I got ahead. And Ayrton, he passed me. Sacre bleu, This is the only part of the Prost documentary where I was like, oh, Ayrton was a d too, like... Ayrton, they made this pact at the beginning of the race, and it was Ayrton who brought it up. Like, don't pass at the first corner. And then as soon as the restart happened, Senna did that. Never mind. Yeah. 
And he's like, no, no, I didn't say it after the restart. And it's like, not, shut up. I meant not. Yeah. Dude, it's opposite day, dude. It's opposite day. Yeah, dude, you're such an idiot. You're you didn't idiot. know it was opposite <laughs> you day? You know, look at the freaking calendar, Prost. Just so gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> Senna justified the move by saying the restart wasn't the actual start, making the no-pass agreement null and void. And also, it was obviously opposite day. <laughs> <laughs> to Elon, uh, his technicality was a pithy excuse for a selfish move, and it fractured his trust in Ayrton all the more. Senna, who wasn't exactly a quiet guy himself, was very aware of Elon's frustration and told Brazilian F1 commentator Reginaldo Lemmy, this Frenchman, this Frenchman is hard. He wants war. That's sick. Dude, Nolan, you want war? <laughs> not not especially right now. All right. Next season of High Low, you want war? Sure, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Let's go to war. Let's go to You're war. You're hard. <laughs> this is a man. This is a man is hard. He wants war. <laughs> Just put that on a shirt. This attack. <laughs> Email us at passgas at donutmedia.com if you want us to make a shirt that says, this is man is hard. He wants war. <laughs> Never mess with an Atascadero man born in July. (laughs) (laughs) Who's hard and wants war. (laughs) And has a forklift certification. (laughs) Loves his daughter. She's an angel, but she's also a (laughs) (laughs) She makes me cornbread every Sunday. (laughs) You should make that shirt. You better believe she knows how to use it. Two Grand Prix remained in the 1989 season, and Senna needed to win in Japan in order to stay in the points with Allen. To raise the stakes, Allen would clinch the championship if Senna didn't finish the race at Suzuka. This cocktail of tension seemed destined to boil over that October Ooh, yeah, day, baby, like a hot toddy. Yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot of boiling cocktails, but no one found one. <laughs> <laughs> Allen told his team before the race. There's no way I'm going to open the door anymore. This is as far as the door even opens. <laughs> I put the door stopper right here. You see? <laughs> this is where the door stops. A jar is where I draw the line. <laughs> I have done it too often, and I've had enough. Alan- the door will not be open anymore. <laughs> but Alan... Alan knock, was, knock, knock, knock. No, thank you. No soliciting. Goodbye. We are not home. Do not order like they lay on the ground. <laughs> Alan was in first. I pretend. I pretend like it's the end of the world, okay? And everybody outside is a zombie. He turned a little bit Jamaican for a second. <laughs> everybody outside is a zombie, right? And if a zombie knocks on your door, what do you do? Do you open it? Of course not. They will bite you, and you will try to hide it, and but then eventually you will start getting gray, and everyone will be, did you get bitten? And you said, no, I'm just walking a little slower than the group. I'm just a little sweatier than before. And they're like, are you sure you did not get bit? And I'm like, no, I did not get bit. But you know what? If I did not open the door in the first place, then I would not get bit by the zombie. So if Senna wants me to open the door anymore, I will say no. The Swedish no in there. No more open the door. So can we like work on the car now or? 
Yes. Okay. But you understand my analogy? Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah. You yeah. understand it's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah we yeah. get it. There is no door. No. No, no. There is no physical door. There's no doors on these cars. There's, there's no, no doors on the track. You yeah. climb in the, the car from the top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a physical door. It's a metaphorical door. Right. I have opened it up for him to win the championship. Okay, I got that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not going to let him no more. Okay. 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 I'm not, I don't, I want to win. <laughs> Alan was in first place for a majority of the race, but with five laps to go. Do we a have any snacks around here? No. <laughs> Ayrton made a dramatic move to the inside and looked to be in position to take the lead. But as the two McLarens ran nearly parallel into the chicane, they bumped wheels and somewhat ironically eased off the track intertwined with each other. This, this is, is very famous. Very famous. Everyone thinks I did it on purpose, but I didn't want to finish the race like that. Alan later remarked, I led from the start and I wanted to win. When he tried to pass, I thought, I'm not going to leave him even a one meter gap. As I'd said, I did not open the door. No, okay, we got, <laughs> we got ding that. Dong, he doesn't have... Ding oh, dong, God, ding here dong, we go. Ding no, we get it. Sorry, we, we are not home. No, we no, do I not got want it. any of your With Bibles. the zombies yeah, yeah. and the soliciting. Yes. Cool. The door is a metaphor, yes. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Thank you. Thank it's you. Uh, pretty apt. Oh, what yeah. You say? Real on the... Yeah, you nailed it. It's a good you metaphor. Know, it's great. My man of sort of a, oh. you know, practical scientific mind. And, uh, sure, you're the it professor, took me right? Yeah. Quite a bit of thought to come up with uh, something quite a bit, as huh? abstract and analogous <laughs> as good, this though. door metaphor. You should feel good about it. It's great. Originally, I was going to say I will <sighs> not let him drive past me in the Both car. Both cars were damaged. But I thought a lot. Maybe we make it a little more poetic this time. So, me and my wife. We took a day trip. Yes. Oh. We took a day trip. Uh, we got a little room at the chateau. We got a couple bottles of wine. I broke out my notepad. Oh. I did a writing exercise. <laughs> Two columns. Oh, God. Okay, one. What am I trying to say literally? Okay. I do not <laughs> want to let... <laughs> I've never heard me anyone map car. out a metaphor like and this. And then I was like, wife, my love, love of my life, my beautiful <laughs> wife. How can Elaine, we I gotta say get, we this gotta start without reading the saying story. this? So we're going to like uh, load the cars up now. At first, I thought, I will not open the sewer got a lot of work to do. I said I would not open the stable. I said I would around. not open the window, and I said, "Ooh, windows, that's good." And she says, "Wait, gotta hold load on. the tires up." What do you walk through more than a window? Gotta load those but toolboxes. A door. And I said, "This is why I married you," and we made love for hours. Cool, that's good. Let's move on. Anyway. But I did not open the door. I did not do it on purpose. <laughs> Both cars I were damaged. I did not wreck him on purpose. I, nah, but I didn't. Open. This is like a really important door. part of the story. Yeah. Only. Yeah. And we would love to give yes, it the I gravity know, so it deserves. Trying to give you the proper context. Both cars were damaged, but Senna clearly wasn't finished. He frantically waved for his crew to roll his car away from Alan, then miraculously re-entered the race. With his front edge skidding along the asphalt, Senna somehow made it back to pit row, while Alan got out of his car and was done for the day because of the wreck. 
But as Senna's crew swapped the car's damaged nose, Alessandro Nannini moved in the first place with only five laps to go. Senna's McLaren screamed out of the pits and on the final lap overtook Nannini, winning one of the most controversial races in F1 history. Or so everyone thought. You see, while Senna was making a stunning comeback, Alain Prost was on foot, making a beeline for the race official's office to argue. The problem was that before rejoining the race, Senna zigzagged through a small section of safety barriers near the chicane, then carried on. He had technically gone off course, which meant that he was technically disqualified, and Alain Prost was the new F1 champion. What a wiener. Regardless of the win, Prost was finished with Senna and McLaren. As he packed his bags for Italy to join his new team, Ferrari, Alain told the press, quote, uh, To be very honest, I'm quite happy to leave McLaren. It has become impossible to work with Ayrton. And I will never uh, open a single no, door come on. ever again. Please, no. <laughs> come on. Dude, this is so lame. It's like if somebody hit like a buzzer beater to win a game. Like it was like such an amazing performance by Senna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so good for the sport. It's like a legendary moment yeah. in racing history. But like he traveled and it's like, like he, an extra step. He like traveled. Yeah. yeah. Like he took like an extra step and like you go to the official and you're like, actually, if you look at the tape, yeah. he traveled. It, I think and this like, happens. Technically, with, you're right, but also, yeah, off. yeah this like, happens in F1 all the time, yeah. and that's what's going to keep it from becoming a sport as big as like basketball, where it's like you're undoing the sport. Yeah, you're making it lame. You know, it was super annoying. I think two years ago was, or maybe it was last year, was when Red Bull started complaining about cars coming out of the pits too quick. And it's like you set the world record for fastest pit. Like what? Now, now because Mercedes is. Catching up, oh, like yeah. you're, you're complaining about it. I think if you're an F1 racing team and you say anything is too quick, then you're a nerd. Yeah, absolutely. That's why, like, Christian Horner is the same energy as Prost, but it's more like Slytherin than him. Yeah. I'm, I uh, mean, Max is 100% Slytherin, right? Yeah. I'm Lewis is Gryffindor Ravenclaw rising. <laughs> <laughs> Patronus is uh, his Patronus is, Falcon. His Patronus is a Patronus. nice oh my god yeah of course there's a lot of parallels between this story and modern f1 which we will get into the nitty-gritty of on our other podcast donut racing show uh we're gonna be starting up here in february so make sure you're subscribed i might guest on it yeah but I don't. I'm definitely I didn't ask. subscribe. <laughs> that might not happen <laughs> i'm just saying shit. i'm just saying shit <laughs> Despite Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna finally being on different teams, the 1990 season played out eerily similar to the year before. Prost won five GPs aboard the beautiful Ferrari F1-90, but found himself chasing an all-too-familiar face as the season wound down. Heading into the second-to-last race of the season again at Suzuka, Senna led Alain by a handful of points, and he knew that if Alain didn't finish that day, the title was his. It's like the opposite of last year. Yeah. Senna won the pole, and Alon qualified second. But when the grid was set the following day, Senna complained that Alon's side of the track had less residue on it than his, which would give the Frenchman a slight advantage at the start. This is also historic. I remember the interview with Senna being like, yeah, it was like 
damp on that side and there was, it was like damp on the side it was like covered in jelly jelly there was like jelly and peanut butter all yeah, over they there had just raked jelly from <laughs> the grass onto yeah. all the they had a chicken wing contest there the night before it was covered <laughs> in like ranch and blue cheese yeah. and sauce joey chestnut was there the night before just pounding hot dogs what isn't mentioned here is that elaine ran to his little steward and was like we should switch you know like put uh, the evens on the other side and the odds on the other side. He got them to switch which side they started on. That is so lame. Yeah, I, I mean, and but I, how'd they budge for that? How'd they, how, why? Like, why would they he, do that there, for, he, them, for him? There's a reason he was able to do it. And okay. It was like kind of sound, but also like kind of slimy. This is what I, it is definitely wiener behavior. I I will concede. Yeah. Oh, here we go. The pro apologist over no, here. No, I'm just saying though. You got to know the rule book. You got to play the rule. Like if to to you, to extract the best results, you got to know these technicalities. Like it is ween, wiener behavior for sure, but he's the one doing it. You know. This is why we don't agree on Max. You you <laughs> love Max. I get it. I I I was a big Max fan before he won his first championship. It's yeah. like at what cost though, Nolan? I know because you know what I care about. What legacy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can win all you want, but if no one likes you, what's the point? That's a good point. But he still won. Yeah, ca- so what? But here's the thing. No one cares. No one likes him. He won, though. But who cares? No I one likes know. him. I want to be liked. I want to be loved. Then you're not going to win. Yeah, right. Mm, he's already winning. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm already uh, winning. <laughs> all right. Why is this a... I'm taking this personally. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, in this following sentence here, you see that Senna also complains about this. Like, they all do this. It's just like, who's better at snaking the rule book? is my point. I think... Well, I think the difference is they all do it. Everyone does it. Everyone pays attention mm-hmm. to the rules. Everyone, everyone advocates for the best advantage. If that's what you're if known that's your for, known yeah. part, if that's yeah. what you're remembered yeah. for... You have to do it so much and in such a greasy way. Mm. You know, like if Senna does, sure, yeah, I'm sure Senna advocated for his best position mm. quite a bit, but that's not who, what he's known for. Yeah. Yeah. So if like you want to be known as like a slimy, like conniving guy, then like be known as a slimy, conniving guy. But like that's, I would not want that. Mm-hmm. But think, and also think about he's leveraging his privilege a ton too. Like as a French driver who grew up in France where the FIA mm-hmm. is based, mm-hmm. he's definitely pulling the privilege card. Like, Prost and Bernie were like buds, mm-hmm. and he used that to, like, over Yeah, and Senate. we covered Bernie Ecclestone in an episode recently, and I wouldn't want to be buds with that guy. No. no. no, no I think no. I would work for him in spite of my feelings mm-hmm. for him rather than being, like, using it to my advantage. You yeah. know what I mean? He's kind yeah. of a crumb bag. <laughs> is he still alive yeah he just had a kid he's like 99 that's years insane, old yeah. that sounds like something dizzy rascal would say yeah. but i do think like as a public figure like this especially in sports mm-hmm. where you're lifted to this god status because you're able to achieve things that people literally cannot achieve you mm-hmm. look at an actor and you're like i could probably do that oh totally <laughs> you know but like there is no way i could drive like mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton drives or like Senna drives, yeah. you know, or yeah. like LeBron plays basketball or like whoever throws a football. And I do believe that if you're in that position, if you're, you know, through your hard work, but also through like a lot of luck and chance 
then like you do have a responsibility to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And this whole like I'm not like a role model thing is like, yes, you are. You mm-hmm. are an example. You are a superhuman. You're an example to all hu- other humans. So you have the responsibility not to be a little douchebag. Mm-hmm. A little wiener. Yeah, don't be a wiener. Yeah. Well You're said. a hero. It's all we got. <laughs> it's all we <laughs> got. <laughs> so Senna one pole. Despite that, Alon's side of the track had less residue, which would give him a slight advantage at the start. But unfortunately for Senna, race officials didn't budge because he wasn't French, like Joe said. And (laughs) as he predicted, Alon surged off the line with an immediate shot at overtaking Ayrton at the first corner. Now, who knows what would have happened if Alon hadn't jumped out of the gates like that. Maybe the race, maybe the season would have ended differently. But since he did, and since the tattletale controversy from the year before was all too fresh in Senna's mind, the Brazilian intentionally crashed his McLaren into Alon and ended the day for both of them. Less than 10 seconds into the race, and the 1990 F1 championship was decided. Is it agreed that he intentionally did it? It's So they looked at the telemetry. This is part of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Elaine... Got out of his car furious, ran immediately over to um, either the stewards or the, like, Senna's team, and they looked at the telemetry, never let off the gas. Mm -hmm. Full throttle (laughs) the entire time going into a turn, knowing that he's just going to take out. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's how you do it. Yeah. You don't tattle. You smash it. Launch pad McQuack style. Don't go to the cops. Handle (laughs) it yourself. Don't don't call the cops. Smash the dude. (laughs) All right. Naturally, uh, Alon was pissed off. The world championship is for sports, not war, ranted the professor. What he did today was disgusting. I was flat out in that corner, and he hit me hard enough to break off my rear wing. My beautiful, beautiful rear wing. My mother gave me that wing for my birthday. (laughs) I can't believe he would risk his own safety. I've said it before. He tries to represent himself to the world as a man. He is not. He has no value. Predictably, Senna didn't feel much sympathy for Elan. I didn't give a damn what Bro says, declared the victorious Ayrton. It is a demonstration of who the champion is. I won here last year, and it was very, very bad to take it away from me. It is very rewarding to do this. When I walked back from the corner to the pits, I left behind all the weight and stress from 19. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hell yeah, dude, that felt good. (laughs) Dude, you watch this footage back, and it's a pretty, I mean, it's pretty violent. They're going 200 miles per hour. And that's like the scent to have that sentiment where it's like, felt. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that guy, you see, yeah, you see that's it, insane, man. When they spin off into the dirt, Elaine gets out and he's just like, you can tell from yeah, his body pissed. language, he's, he's like, so God. pissed. Yeah. Uh, Senna just like calmly gets out, doesn't even look at Elaine. Yeah, he's just like, awesome. okay. Dude, not only does he say he didn't feel bad, he's like, I feel better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually feel. You know ever what? get like a massage after a while? Yeah. You haven't had one for a while. I but felt I felt pretty bad since that last race when he. uh wrecked me but now i feel better it's been like a whole year and uh i wrecked him and that's that it is pretty crazy that it came down to the the exact same situation at the exact same track that is so sick dude senna hell yeah i'm gonna get a senna tattoo do it cool send uh ideas for my senna tattoo to pass gas (laughs) at donutmedia.com i legit want one not nothing too big 
A uh, single line, probably. I don't. What like- if it's the profile of his head, but it's made up of slivers of all the colors of the teams he was on? Uh, black ink only, please. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Regardless of the vicious personal insults, the season was over and Alon would have to wait until the next year to exact revenge. But willpower alone doesn't win races. A quality car is very important, too. And in 1991, the Ferrari 642 and 643 were bad, bad news. For the first time in 10 years, Alon failed to win a Grand Prix, while Senna secured his third and final world championship with McLaren. Now, as you might imagine, Alon was in a pretty rotten mood during most of 1991 and most of his life. Before the final (laughs) GP of the season, he publicly blamed Ferrari, talking trash about the team for the miserable year, calling the Scuderia-made model a truck and accused ownership of favoring his teammate, Jean Alessi. Never an organization to tolerate insubordination. Ferrari fired Alon before the final GP of the season. Yeah, that's the one team that you know you, you can't talk, talk about the cars. About Dude, if you call a Ferrari a truck, Ferrari will <laughs> you up. <laughs> they hate trucks. What are, what are they going to do when people start talking about the Ferrari SUV? It's not an SUV. The Ferrari truck? It's a crossover, huh? No, they made up a word. It's a PUV or something. Oh. It's like a poof. The poof truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I not got, a sport. I got my lamb truck. Which is interesting that they took the word sport out of it and kept utility. Oh. Maybe, yeah. It's an SPV. Is that, it's that's an STD. Really? It's an STD. <laughs> STI. It's a, it's a high-performance vehicle. Performance utility vehicle? It's an HPV. Oh. Alon suddenly found himself as a driver without a car again and the Ferrari fiasco delivered another blow to his already damaged reputation little did the professor know that before he would have the chance to race again he'd have to spend a year in F1 purgatory this guy there's a lot of parallels between him and Fernando Alonso Alonso also likes to ha- he's has a history of, of talking bad yeah. about his team talking about his cars all obviously one of the most talented drivers on the grid still but a hard guy to work with i'd yeah. much rather hang out with alonzo than prost 
the Spanish man. Alonso seems like man. he's. Like, let's take a day off. Let's eat some jamón ibérico. Uh, let's go eat. <laughs> hey, let's go eat some. Uh, let's go eat some like snails and stuff out of tins and drink a bunch of orange wine, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that Fernando Alonso doesn't drive himself on public roads because he doesn't want to pick up any bad driving habits. Hell yeah, uh, yeah. I don't drive. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> um, I actually hate riding in cars with people. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I can just tell if. I can imagine it. Like, you guys are all like, have you guys seen James? And Alonzo's team's like, hey, where's uh, Fernando? And it's just like, cut to us <laughs> on a yacht. Yeah. Just like eating some sh- of that dried out ham. Eating yeah. big, expensive aged, ham, cutting ham. it with a kaitana, yeah. shooting arrows that we lit on fire straight into the ocean. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I heard this really funny song. I'm going to play it for you. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, you haven't heard the hamster song? <laughs> he's like, no, man, I've been, I've been freaking driving for so long. <laughs> Be like, dude, Alonzo, have you... Uh, have you ever heard of Lonely Island? Like, no. <laughs> oh, you're going to love yeah, this. Yeah, uh, me and Alonzo, dream. This is my dream. <laughs> All right. Me and Alonzo, right, he yeah. has a wife? Yeah. Oh, we're getting into DRS territory. Oh, so talking to hot goss about F1 drivers. So Alonzo, hit his partner, my girlfriend, on mm. a yacht, Yeah. wherever it's nice, mm-hmm. just listening to Lonely Island albums. Yeah, off of an iHome. Like one of those weird Airbnb like iPod stations. Yeah. Why does he have yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he kitted it out in 2005, <laughs> and we're just shooting arrows on fire into the ocean. <laughs> and then like the scuba diver like floats up. <laughs> oh no! And then the week takes a turn. Yeah. We got to get rid of that body because we got too much to lose. <laughs> Turns into I know what you did last summer. Short on friends and out of options, Alan Prost took a break from F1 during the 1992 season. Instead, he spent the year as a TV commentator, sharing his racing insight from the announcer's booth. Alan impressed both fans and professionals alike and made it clear that the 37-year-old had more than enough competitive gas left in the tank. Uh, it's not old. <laughs> I didn't say it was. Invigorated by the year away from his beloved sport, Alan joined williams Renault for the 1993 season. And you know what? He drove impeccably, guys. Nice. Taking the pole in all but three Grand Prix, claiming seven first-place finishes, the last of which set the F1 record again for most career wins at 51. He was a world champion for the fourth time, and to make it even sweeter, Senna was runner-up. Okay, so this guy is the winningest driver in F1 history, mm-hmm. right? Well, was. 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 Michael Jordan was a d- Mm-hmm. Everyone agrees. Yeah. But everyone still likes him because he was the right kind of. Because he had a good PR person, too, that was like, mm, don't sure, but say he's that. like, yeah. like, you can be an asshole and competitive and like flawed, but you can't be a little wiener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't be like a little. You got to go on those Hanes commercials wiener. and tell that guy he's got bacon neck. Listen, you can gamble <laughs> so much that your <laughs> dad you gets me? murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't it. be a little dork. Don't be a little. <laughs> don't be a rat. Nobody likes a rat. Yeah. Don't be a tattletale. Don't be a Peter Pettigrew. Don't be a Peter Pettigrew. If if I can leave our young fans with one thing, and one thing only, one lesson from Big Bro, don't be a f***ing rat. <laughs> Speaking of Senna, uh, you know, don't think for a second that Alan wasn't still sore at the Brazilian during his comeback. In fact, Alan insisted that Williams include a 
Senna will never be your teammate clause in his contract before the 93 campaign. However, even with the championship win, Williams couldn't promise him the same in 94. Senna had fallen out with McLaren and was too good for Williams to pass up. But the idea of teaming up with Ayrton again was too much for Alan to bear. Quote, The sport has given me a lot, but I decided the game wasn't worth it anymore. I finally decided to close the door. (laughs) He told reporters in June of 94 and effectively retired from Formula One racing. You know, you guys mentioned earlier, like, you got to have another thing. Like, before we started talking, you got to have another thing, right? Mm Got to be jet skiing. Got to be wearing clothes. Whatever your thing is. this quote right here. (laughs) I don't remember this. What? (laughs) Got to be jet skiing. Yeah, got to be wearing wearing clothes. (laughs) Wait, why are you jet skiing? You got to have, like, other things besides racing. And I think this quote right here really sums up, like, yeah, racing – like every ra- like every F one racer, like and you know what's the, the sport is their life, yeah. but like this is like the next level where it really is. You know what really tells life. you that he didn't have anything else going on in life is the fact that you still see him in the paddock. Yeah, that's his life. It is. Yeah, that's totally. like uh, hanging out in your high school parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> but this was it was a shame that he didn't. I mean. Frank Williams screwed him over, definitely. This is a fun part of the documentary where he was like, yeah, I'm never going to hire Senna as long as you're here. <laughs> and literally the next year he was like, I, can we bring him in? I kind of got to hire him. Is the yeah. deal, mate. <laughs> I didn't think we could get him. Yeah. <laughs> but turns out we can and he's really good at driving. <laughs> but I, I want to like hear the fan fiction of – if Elaine didn't retire that year because that was such a dominant car. That was the, like, active arrow. Um, they probably both would have died in a crash or something. That's true. Alain Prost was 39 years old and ready to start the next chapter of his life. Almost. He actually tested for McLaren prior to the 1994 season, but after being unimpressed with their new Ford engine, declined the opportunity. Actually, uh, no thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. Luke, I love the Taurus. <laughs> it's one of I, my favorite cars. Uh, listen, uh, the Taurus is a phenomenal automobile. But <laughs> Alon was also contacted by a far more surprising collaborator from his past, Ayrton Senna. Soon after Alon retired, Senna called him regularly and asked him to return to racing. But even the encouragement of his fiercest rival couldn't persuade the Frenchman. However, he was glad to speak with Ayrton and begin to heal their fractured relationship. We talk about this a lot on the show whenever we talk about a rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know, like having a rival makes a great athlete so much better. Mm-hmm. Because if you have someone who's close to, if not equal to your talent level, mm-hmm. you're forced to push yourself into places that you would have never previously gone before. If you're just dominating, then maybe, I mean, if you can win at 90%, you're going to win at 90%. But if you have to win at 100 then you're going to hit 100. Um, and I actually watched like some a clip of Kobe talking about Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and when they played against each other uh, in the All-Star game. And like at the beginning, like Jordan's like talking all this trash because like everyone's already saying like Kobe's the next Jordan, Kobe's mm-hmm. the next Jordan. And uh, he's like, oh man, I'm going to like, I'm going to make him earn it. I'm going to make it earn it. But like he apparently Jordan became such a mentor to Kobe mm-hmm. to the point where Kobe was like, if it weren't for him, then like I wouldn't be nearly as good as mm-hmm. I am now. Yeah. It's sort of like how Nolan and I are so competitive, but uh, without his guidance, true. <laughs> I would be nothing. Yeah. 
Nolan's like, talk to the camera. Like, what? Alon <laughs> 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 came back as an F1 commentator for the 1994 season, which gave him and Ayrton even more opportunities to make things right. This included the third GP of the season at Emola, where Senna sent a radio message from his car to the press box during a practice lap the day before the race. A special hello to my friend, Alan. We all miss you. Where are you? Ha ha. It would be one of the last times Alon would hear Senna's voice. The next day, Ayrton Senna crashed his Benetton Williams car into an unprotected concrete barrier at 130 miles per hour and died on impact. Nearly three decades after the devastating crash, Alon, who helped carry Ayrton's coffin at the funeral, still has trouble speaking about Senna. In 2018, he said, It's very difficult for me to talk about Ayrton. He was so different, so completely different from any other racing driver, any other person I've ever known. I'm sorry that his door was closed too early. Alon spent the next year working for his old foe, Renault then moved on to become a consultant for McLaren in 1996, while also organizing his goal of owning an F1 team. Prost Grand Prix made their debut in the 1998 season, but the new team failed to provide a consistent car for each of its three years of competition, and in 2002 went into liquidation. Alon spent the next several years competing in bicycle races, as well as the Andro Ice Racing Series which he won with Toyota in 2007 and 2008, and then with Dacia in 2012. 2012 was also the year Alon began a decade-long partnership with Renault F1, which was renamed Alpine in 2021. However, in January of this year, Alpine and Alon had a falling out. Huh. Alpine is the worst car company. <laughs> Alpine, why you do even say it like that? It's supposed to be Alpine. <laughs> I cannot fit in there 110. It is too big. <laughs> oh, I want to drive He's that a tiny thing. guy. The professor took the rest of the year to consider his next move. And it's exciting to think what that might be, considering Alon's never-ending love for the sport of motor racing. Alon Prost belongs on the Mount Rushmore of Formula One world champions. Among the pantheon of racing greats. Only Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, and Juan Manuel Fangio have won more world championships than Alain Prost. Hamilton, Schumacher, and Sebastian Vettel are the only drivers who have claimed more checkered flags than Prost's 51. Alain Prost is unapologetic, calculated, and brilliant. And while his fiery personality continues to earn him detractors, Alain Prost's legacy as a Formula One racing great is set in stone, no matter how big of a wiener he is. <laughs> I think that's kind of the takeaway there. Um, you know, the my argument of uh, playing the rule book, I think definitely applies. Uh, I think it's true. I think it, not just in racing, but, you know, like the fact that there are so many unlikable billionaires in this world kind of proves it. Like they are ruthless and do everything to gain a foot over anybody but at the end of the day they at the end of the day uh nobody thinks elon musk is funny so (laughs) um i think that's kind of the takeaway there and obviously james you are winning i'm sorry for saying that win and not be a huge jerk Mm -hmm. yeah look at lebron james lebron james is a great guy Mm -hmm. and he i will say he does like 
it, it, it somewhat because of his size, because it's, you know, he's less affected by fouls, so it doesn't telegraph as easily to the refs. But he does do flops from time to time. and Sure, but he's not a jerk. No. And he's like, he's and always, he like gets people traded. And he, you know, I think that's like, like yeah. this is a good example. Yeah, you play the rule book, you mm-hmm. know how to play the game, but if that's you take all advantage you do, of situations. Yeah. But I do believe that you can be seen as a good person and, LeBron, and act like a good person and win. Yeah, I LeBron don't think will like apologize when he's in the wrong, whereas Elaine. At no point care. At, doesn't even play basketball. No, no. At He's no not even point, good at basketball. I'm trying to make a point. Uh, <laughs> at no point in this documentary was he ever like, yeah, maybe I was a bit too harsh on Senna, mm-hmm. or like, yeah, I guess I. It looks like I didn't, you know, aim away from his right. car or something. He always thought he was in the right, which is something yeah. that. That's not um, a good quality to have. Narcissists. Yeah. It, yeah. He's a baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think this. I don't think this episode is. Uh, is going to shift anyone's no, opinion no. up this I was man. hoping it would shift mine, but it didn't. Yeah. yeah. And he's still alive, so I can talk all the trash <laughs> I want. <laughs> so there you go. Alan Prost. Alan Prost. Uh, the episode's not over yet, though, because we got listener mail. Uh, here we go. Um, hello, gentlemen. I'm not an automotive enthusiast, but your podcast is now my favorite. I'm a Ooh. mom to two little girls who are also fans of yours through your YouTube videos. Yeah. Not long ago, I heard them playing, and they were saying, this is the D-list. That's cute. Hey. Hanging out with you guys while I bake, cook, clean, and walk the dog is also fun. Lots of laughs. Your RC car video is my favorite one. My husband now listens, and we talk about all the funny things you guys say. Thank you for this podcast. Love your humor. Toot toot. Thank you, Maria Meyer. Thank Dang. you very much. Toot toot gang. shouts to Maria for... Hitting all the hosts. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Maria. And sh- and uh, tell your girls toot toot. And tell your husband to get out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, if you'd like to, if this is a if this is a call for help, Maria. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to email the show, hit us up at passgas at uh, donutmedia.com. We might read your email on air. Uh, follow the boys on all social media at James Pomfrey, at Joe G. Weber, and me, Nolan J. Sykes. Uh, if you guys don't know, we have a YouTube channel, Donut Media. We also make clothes uh, for people who like cars. Uh, go to DonutMedia.com, pick yourself up some. It's uh, some of the, my favorite stuff that we do. Also, check out our other podcast starting up again in February. Covers the Formula One season in extreme detail real time is the cheap beer answer to the champagne lifestyle of f1 Uh, you don't have to be a fan of the sport to listen to it it's super funny super entertaining uh nolan is a co-host along with uh alanis king and elizabeth blackstock it's called donut racing show go subscribe before the new season starts that show is also produced by our producers christina felsky and gavin kinzel thank you very much guys we'll see you next time you'll hear us next time yes you'll hear us Hear hear us on the flip side. Later. Hear us on the flip side. has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, 
Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.